Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Hidden Gems Movie Podcast. My name is Sam. I am joined by my co-worker, podcast partner, movie soulmate, and eternal political enemy, Steve. Steve, how are you today? I'm doing, what's the German word for fine? I think it's, uh, the only German word I know is schnell. Schnell? And that's because I'm Jewish. That's quick. I think that's yeah. quick. Yeah, I'm Jewish. Never say, yeah, exactly. Never say schnell to a Jewish person. If anyone doesn't know that, never say schnell to a Jewish person. Uh, the reason okay. Steve says Jewish is that in our last episode, we promised said you- German. That, yeah, sorry. Sorry, excuse me. Yeah, you can say, well, don't say schnell to a German Jewish person, especially, because they'll actually know what you're talking about. So the reason that we're talking about uh, the wonderful German language, what I believe is uh, considered the language of romance, <laughs> um, is because in our last episode, which was about uh, box office bombs, we promised that for giving you John Carter and what was your movie, Steve? Oh, uh, uh, Last Action Hero. Last Action Hero. That we would repay that kindness by giving you a movie with subtitles next. <laughs> um, so this podcast today is about one-hit wonder directors. So these are guys... I mean, everybody knows what a one-hit wonder is, but these are for the directors. Um, now, these, this, this doesn't mean a director who only made one film. It's just a director who only made one good film or specifically one successful film. Yes. And the first uh, pick today is my choice, and it's The Lives of Others. And I kind of want to do this new game, even though we don't have a timer. But I think the new game should be I have to describe these movies in under a minute. <laughs> because every time I do this, I go on and on. I mean, it's so incredibly difficult. So... I'm, gonna, I'm, glad, I'm glad we didn't do Dr. Zhivago. Yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> um, although that one's like easy. That's like a uh, like boring poet, like fr- uh, Russian Revolution. <laughs> That's pretty much all there is to that. All right. So I'm going to do my best to describe this uh, German language film. Um, it takes place in East Berlin, Soviet communist East Berlin in the 1980s. And there are four major characters here. There is a playwright. There is his girlfriend. There is a high-ranking communist official in the communist uh, East Berlin government who the girlfriend of the playwright is sleeping with. And there is this Soviet security official, the main character. And what this Soviet security official does is he basically monitors people who are suspects of, you know, being treasonous members of society. And the high-ranking Soviet communist um, member of the party who is sleeping with the playwright's girlfriend is basically suspicious of the girlfriend's boyfriend, really just jealous of him. And he employs the main character, who is kind of a spy. He he monitors civilians of uh, East Berlin. He employs him to set up shop in the basement of the apartment building that the playwright and his girlfriend live in to basically find out if the playwright is up to any treasonous activity, so that way the high-ranking Soviet official can jail him and have this woman for himself. Steve, does that uh, does that sum up the plot for you? That's pretty close. Did I do a pretty good job? I would say that um, that that official, yeah, when he says try and see if you can find something, yeah. when they suggested when when uh, you know East German bureaucrats said see if you can find something. Uh, a translation, find something. Yeah. So <laughs> he basically, basically said, I would be very disappointed right. by failure. Right, exactly. <laughs> so here's the thing. Here's the thing. Um, if you noticed, I said, this guy and the playwright and the girl and, you know, the official. I'm not saying any of the names here, guys. Um, I don't know these German names. It's actually one of my favorite movies of all time. And I cannot name a single name of this movie, <laughs> nor the director who I'm claiming is a one-hit wonder. I'm going to take a whack Please at it, okay? Help uh, me out maybe here. We'll just we'll just do this once, yeah. And 
Uh, after that, we're going to call him Joe. Okay, good. Okay. Good, good. <laughs> uh, the guy's name is Florian Henkel von Donnersmark. And my apology for this ex- excellent director, if I butchered his name, um, out of total respect, so yeah. not to butcher his name, we will forth uh, with call him Joe. Joe, I wonder <laughs> if having a Vaughn in his name means he's like descendant of some sort of aristocrat, like Otto von Bismarck. Like, is the Vaughn a title of some sort of distinction? I don't think so. Uh, I'm not 100% sure. I don't think so. In fact, um, uh, I, I think that if you were referring to him, you would include that in his last name, maybe. Right. So this director, um, I actually watched his follow-up feature to this movie based on my love of this film, which is basically about the fallout of World War II and you know how Germany went from a Nazi country to half of a Soviet country. And that movie is not very good. Really? <laughs> no, unfortunately not. Uh, but I have not know, seen it, but I've heard of it. I think they use one of the same actors. Yeah, they do. Well, yeah, they use the playwright. as He's the villain of that movie. Um, it's skillfully made. The issue is it has a passive main character. The main character never does anything, and it's never a good thing for a movie. But we're not here to mm-hmm. talk about that movie, only in the sense that this guy has yet to make a film to match the success with the, of the lives of others, which did get some uh, some acclaim in its own country. I believe it won whatever the awards were there. And it also won the Oscar for Best uh, Foreign Feature in America. Now, as you know, I hate Oscars. But I'm only saying that in reference to that the movie was known about. It's, 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 not, it's not a hidden gem to people who know movies. It's only a hidden gem to you scum listening to this podcast. How many listeners did we just lose? All, all six of them. <laughs> Okay, so let's let's actually talk about this nothing movie. worse than, than than gratitude. Uh, the stat sheet. Oh, please, yeah, sorry, okay. stats. We haven't done this in uh, a while. Sorry, it's been a while. Um, the Lives of Others was released in March thirtieth, uh, uh, two thousand seven. Okay. Not the prime movie going. Good on wine year. Time. Good year for wines. I did not know that. I just I made that up. That. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, it's obviously a good good. I year say that for, every uh, year. Maybe it's a good year for German wine. I've never heard of German wine. Have you ever heard of a German? Yes, yeah, the wine of romance. You oh, didn't hear? No, no. <laughs> it must have slipped past me. Uh, the budget was two million dollars. Which nothing. It's nothing. Uh, no, it, it's very. It's very little. You um, know what? It looks great for two million dollars. You never would have thought that movie was made for only two million dollars. That's crazy. I'm actually shocked, especially considering that it, it has to, you know, uh, retain the visuals of. Uh, it looks like a, like you a, know, 1980s Berlin. Yeah, it looks like a kitchen sink drama. I mean, it looks like a a, a high production value mm. drama. I'm shocked it was made for that little bit amount of money. You know, um, a lot of places in East Berlin, yeah. I think retained a lot of the uh, the feel to it. Even you know, what was it? You don't 17 say years that I, the Soviet uh, architecture or... of Eastern Europe is still there. <laughs> Shocking. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so it was probably easy for them to at least yeah. um, scout. People are still living outside. in those terrible apartment buildings that the Soviets built. Like that stuff's they're pretty off- ghastly. Yeah, they're very utilitarian. Yeah, uh, the movie grossed eleven million dollars. Good for them. Yeah. So obviously, it's it, a nineteen seventies hit. Yeah, that's a nineteen seventies <laughs> American drama hit. <laughs> it would be it would be pretty good in the nineteen seventies. But for a foreign language film and a German yeah. foreign language film of this, uh, you know, oh, so that's uh, what content. it made in America. Yeah, that's how much it made oh, in America. Not bad. Yeah. I wonder how much it made in Germany. That, that's a good question. It'd be funny if they I didn't wish like it. I knew. It'd be I funny if the Germans were like, you know, this movie's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like the sound of music. Like nobody, nobody likes it in Austria. I would love if that movie were a hit in America, just to make Americans look a little bit better, but not in Germany. Yeah. <laughs> like you know, like because because the Europeans often slam our films, and maybe rightfully so. 
Well, you know, maybe it might not have done well as well in East Germany. Maybe there's people, or maybe maybe it did better in East Germany because it was more relevant to them. It could very well be. Good point. Those West Berliners, they were just partying the whole time. <laughs> they were enjoying the good life. They yeah, they sure the were, life. and they knew it. But uh, no, th- th- this is a fantastic movie. Got any other stats for me? Uh, no, that, that that's it. So it was really um, like a stat. I was going to I was, I was going to try and mention take a whack yeah. at the names um uh the name of the character the Stasi official um is Hampton Weiser it starts with a W but I'm assuming We're talking about the main character. The main character, yes. Okay. Uh the playwright is I'm just gonna George call him without an E. So is that go, 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 George? Let's just call him George. George. I mean, okay. I'm going to call these guys the spy, the playwright, the, the girlfriend playwright and the girlfriend is, and the official. is Krista That's- Marie or just Krista. I'm not even going to say Krista. I can say it, but I'm not going <laughs> to. I'm going to call him the girlfriend, the playwright, the official, and the spy. That's- that'll fix them for having German-sounding names. Yeah. Now, That's, uh, that'll <laughs> fix them for being German. <laughs> now, we've been pretty light so far. Yeah. But this this movie no, you're right. is, it, it just has an enormous um, a weight to it. It has yeah. incredible weight. We're talking about the most serious crimes you can commit against another human being without right. violence. So, so we have to really talk about what this movie is actually about, because I described the central plot. But really, what this movie is about is the spy, as he is listening and spying on the playwright and his girlfriend, what comes to happen is two things. One, he falls in love with the playwright's girlfriend just by listening to her. And two, he comes to immensely respect the playwright and the plight that this man has, which is he is trying to write art within the system of the Soviets, which will not allow anything that seems the slightest bit subversive. And what happens is this guy, who you think, no, actually, they do establish he is quite, if not a fanatic, a believer. I mean, the, the spy. So you're talking about the playwright. The, no, no, the, the play. playwright's not a believer in, in the communist government. Oh, I, I got a very different well, opinion no, he, of that. You think so? I think he just of, right of of um, socialism. He is a definite true believer of socialism, and that's why he's allowed to write plays. He he believes in socialism, but you're right. He doesn't the, the government. He he has no illusions about See, the government. I read it differently. I read wow. it that he was doing the best. He he was writing plays, and in order to actually get them seen on stage by the Soviet government. By the way, are they actually Soviets? Is that the proper terminology? The no, I, East Germans. I would say the, the East German Communist Party. All right, the East German, the East German and Communist there was, Party. And there was a degree, especially in the 80s, well, once Gorbachev got elected. Mm-hmm. Gorbachev got, getting elected happens right after most of what happens in this right. movie. Okay. They even allude to it in the, mo- in the yeah. movie. Um, there, uh, the, the President Honecker, um, right well, up until the end, was uh, The point is quite that an the spy... Dictator. His own views towards himself and his government and his country change by spying on this couple, this artistic couple. They are everything that he is not. This spy is small, bald, diminutive, calm, rational. You know, he's just, he's a man who eats alone, sleeps alone, has no friends. His entire life revolves around his job. And here he is, and he's spying on this couple who are passionately in love. They're artistic. They have friends in a social circle, and they have beliefs, a real kind of inner beliefs, and it changes him. And what ends up happening is he starts to secretly help them, and they don't even know he exists. Um, he knows that it's his job to bring this playwright down so that, this, so that the Soviet, the communist official can have the girlfriend all to himself. But he actually, at, at risk to himself, begins to help the playwright 
at times when the playwright does not even realize he's in grave jeopardy of being arrested for treason. Um, it's fascinating because the playwright and his girlfriend have no idea they're being spied on by this person, you know, specifically. They they know they're under some sort of watch, um, but they have no idea that the guy's right under their nose. And there are times, especially in one very tense moment where the playwright is helping a friend get an article pub- uh, smuggled out of East Berlin and into West Berlin so that it can be published and actually describe the, the details of the living situations in East Berlin. And he's he's got the manuscript hidden in his apartment and the and basically the police, the secret police, rush his apartment and start looking for it. And it's been moved from the place he knows he was hiding it. And he can't understand why it's not there. And that's because the main character, the spy, moved it for him in an act of generosity. But what's this all mean? This is one of these movies where it gets as close to what life is about as possible. Um, in my opinion, this movie is a 99.9% perfect film. And the reason it's not 100 is it has one mistake. And it has one mistake at the end of the film, which is, it's egregious in terms of it's like watching it's like watching a guy so help me out i don't watch baseball imagine you strike out every single person no one even hits the ball uh-huh. right what happens if somebody hits the ball and it's caught it does it change from the perfect game to the no hitter yes okay a so, perfect game means um nobody's nobody's on base oh but is there a type nobody, of game where no one even touches the ball where everyone swings like no no foul balls no i i don't think that's ever happened i mean that you know okay Nine of okay, so this one from a perfect game then to a no hitter, where <laughs> okay. somebody got on base. Um, it's at the end of the movie, and I'll explain that later. Um, in case you know, spoiler alert: communism ended. <laughs> uh, you know, and I guess I'll, I'll say it here: the mistake of this movie is at the end of the movie, uh, communist communism has fallen. East Berlin is now united with West Berlin in the free Germany, and the playwright runs into the high-ranking Soviet official or communist official after the Communist Party has fallen, and he says to him, I can't believe men like you were ever allowed to rule a country. And it just came off as false to me. It came off as the writer writing himself into the writer. I know it seems like that makes sense, that that should be what it is, but it wasn't. It was just too on the nose for me. Because other than that one That's, moment... It's kind of movie writing. It's, it's the kind movie, of movie it's writing. It's cliche. It's not good. Yeah. They're trying to tie a bow on something. If, if they, he, he had to have some sort of response. He couldn't just walk away. Because this official apparently is doing okay in the New East Germany, too. Yeah. This yeah. slimy, sleazy scumbag yeah. um, who, who essentially, he, he is raping... The girlfriend. Um, his girlfriend. He's right. essentially raping her. She's a drug there, there's addict, no difference. and he knows that she's... The, the, the high-ranking communist official knows that the girlfriend of the playwright is a drug addict. He actually helps supply her with drugs, but also, at the same time, uh, drug addiction in East Berlin, as in many communist countries, was illegal, and basically it was either rape or imprisonment um, for her, mm-hmm. and also potential imprisonment for her boyfriend as well. So she's quite literally caught between a rock and a hard place. There's this horrifying... Um, sex scene um it's not very explicit but it's yeah it's still horrifying because she just she just sits she stands there yeah she knows she has to because um you're right yeah what what you said before she could go to the she could go to prison yeah but what's even more terrifying to her is that she'll never work again she can never act again yeah writers can write but right. if you don't have a play, you've robbed her of her, her of her um, ability to uh, right. you know express herself. But you're also right. I mean, there is a threat of jail time 
jail time too. And she she's obviously a good-hearted person, a, a terrific person, but she's she is fragile and she's weak and he exploits that. Yeah. You know, that's what that's what uh the other character, I'm going to call him uh, Hampton Humpton, Humptman. That's is what this, he grows to love. He, is this the spy? Yeah. Yeah, the spy fun. learns how to be how to live. Yes. How to live fully by right. watching two other people live fully. It's the, fascinating. There's this amazing scene to show how cold-blooded this guy is because he's so good he teaches other spies, young mm-hmm. spies. And right at the beginning of the uh, uh, he's introduced actually teaching That's a right. group of spies and one impertinent young student asks a question about vigorous interrogation. He's bragging if you if you for 40 hours if you if you interrogate somebody for forty hours, he'll tell you what you want. And the student says, "Oh, maybe he's just telling you, you know, what you want to hear, not the facts." And very subtly, he looks down without saying anything before he answers the, the student's question. He puts a mark next to the the kid's it's terrifying. name. Terrifying, it is. It's terrifying. Yes, and it's not the first time something like that happens where he and the high ranking official overhear a conversation between two students of the spy school basically yes. sorry for the uh, the lingo the butcher <laughs> lingo and they hear them, them over talking in what sounds like a critical fashion and i think they're, they're making a joke they're making, making a joke. Kind, of, kind of a kind of a funny uh, yeah. anti-hanukkah joke actually yeah, yeah like basically an anti-communist joke yeah. and they immediately just lit into these two kids like you know you can go to jail for this it is terrifying this is the funny part though yeah um, the spy's boss, his immediate yeah. boss, is mm-hmm. the one the uh, the bureaucrat is putting his thumb on. That's right. You're right. right Sorry right. about that. You're right. Right now, he um he's the one who who he, he they're they're sitting in this incredibly dreary gray green. The whole the whole movie palette is green gray. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, <laughs> they're in, they're in this cafeteria and they hear these two guys cracking wise on mm-hmm. Hanukkah and the guy kind of calls him on it. Do you realize what could happen? Do you? Uh, and then when the guy is really sweating and he's fearing for his life and his family's life just for cracking a joke, he lets him off the hook. He let, not only lets him off the hook, he makes a joke. Yeah. He makes a crack. And, he's showing his power, though. Yes. Th- yeah. He's got the power to do it. But I don't know if you noticed this. Near the end of the movie, and I don't want to give too much away, there's a scene where they're steaming, o- they're, they're opening uh, letters. Mm-hmm. A really dreary job. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. One of the characters in the background is that kid. Oh, that's <laughs> he right. Is, yeah. He is in the he background. Got him. He Actually, got him. Yes. They, you know, and he, that's what I believed yes. from the second that scene was over. Even though he let the kid off the hook, he didn't let him no. off the hook. He was pretending to because, you know, the best way to get revenge on your enemies is to make sure they have no idea you intend to get revenge <laughs> on them. The worst, you know, it's like the classic movie villain thing where they tell the, the their enemy, you know, the hero of the film, exactly what they plan to do because they figure they've got them now. <laughs> and then, you know, they do themselves in. You should never do that. And yeah, I mean, he, you know, the second that he walked away from that kid, even though he made the kid feel better, that kid was screwed. Yes. And he's never the same. And and that, that happens to yeah. everybody who crosses paths. Right. With the East German uh, right. Stasi, this movie shows the kind of boa constrictor-like yeah. um, grip the government had on and people. And you know, for all of the politics in this movie, this movie's not about politics, it's about yeah. life. Because at the end of the day, the core of this movie is about a man learning how to live by watching two other people do it. I mean, that's really, this man has no idea how to live. The main character, the spy, his entire life is cold and mechanical. And by watching two 
it's it's slightly egotistical too in some ways. It's the artist saying, "Watch the artist live, and then you'll learn how to live." I'm sort of realizing that now, <laughs> but nonetheless, it's also beautiful. In his time spying on these people, he actually comes to realize how empty his own life is. And even though it's through the framework of of a spy thriller, it really isn't. It could have been a neighbor watching another neighbor, but this is the movies. And this is an important point I want to make. This is the type of movie you just do not get in America. It is a realistic thriller. And what I mean by that is I'm a huge fan of um, Michael Clayton. But Michael Clayton has two problems in it. One, they explode a car. And two, they assassinate a guy. Right? Mm-hmm. These are these are the type of action movie things that have to happen for movies to get funded in America. A movie like Michael Clayton could have been pure talking. It could have been nothing but corporate espionage with absolutely no action whatsoever. But even they had to have one car explosion <laughs> and one guy get brutally murdered. You know, they couldn't just tell a straightforward thriller that was completely grounded in reality. I got to tell you, in that instance, I don't think that was the. Uh, it was a commercial demand. I hate to admit Which this. Which part? The car with the car blowing up and the assassination of Michael Clayton. I think it was a sweaty, paranoid fantasy. <laughs> I tell you, I I really think the car was absolutely a commercial demand because it's the first thing they show you is if they have to get it out of the way. Like it's like the the makers of this movie hated this scene so much that it, they show it to you first so they don't have to deal with it anymore. I think it's I think it's the opposite. They want they want they bait you with that explosion. Like what the, what in the yeah. world caused these? But these that's the same thing, isn't it? Isn't it the same thing? Well, it, but no, I'm not. I, to but get I, the I don't think that they hate the uh okay. the scene as a commercial demand i think they love it it's a way of grabbing the it's a way of grabbing the audience but it still it still goes to my point this is what american movies have to do they cannot have grounded realistic thrillers it's kind of like yeah. the movie of the titanic right the titanic had to have this enormous story to get you into these characters lives they have to have two characters with an entirely separate plot that has nothing to do with the titanic sinking to get you invested in caring you know she's supposed to marry this guy <laughs> he's trying to kill leonardo dicaprio with his gun as the boat is sinking Meanwhile, the drama is the boat is sinking. <laughs> you don't need any of this other stuff. You could have just had two people, right, who meet each other. Hey, I'm Steve. I'm Sam. Nice to meet you. Oh, shit, this boat is sinking. That's the movie. It's you and me, we better get off this boat. In Michael Clayton, yeah. those two incidents yes. are to give you an idea that um, the, the lethality of the corporate world. I guess. How, how perfectly, how, how extremely reliable, except that they screw it up, how extremely reliable, especially the assassination yeah. of a Jim, uh, the, the the English actor. Yeah. Um, well, good. Let's, you know, let's not say his name. Let's not say his name, so that way people don't. We're not spoiling it for him. There a movie go. that okay. we're not even supposed to be Sorry, talking about. Right. Be <laughs> but but here's here is the difference, yeah. right? They were perfect assassins. Yeah, absolutely perfect. Coba, this movie shows how grubby. <laughs> um, this kind of meddling is. Tell me the how, lives of others. The lives of good, others good, shows good. you the, the grubby motivations. Of people, yeah. The only one who had a true, however misplaced, motivation is our our hero spy. Yeah. He really believed not only in socialism; he believed in the state. Yeah, that's the right. The people who are compelling him are, you know, they're they're, they're rapists. They they're, all have they're, they're Right. The other yeah. one is a, his immediate boss is a, is a uh, is a climber. They're a not social pure. Climber. They're not pure philosophy. Right. Right. In fact. He rebukes his boss by saying, "Yeah, there might there must be some room for socialism in this atmosphere." You know, yeah, he's, right. he's carping on these people who really aren't following what the, what they believe. 
this movie is is so every scene you you can pull right. some amazing insight. I think it's fantastic. Here, here's movie. why I think it's a 99.9% perfect movie. I already told you why that point one is in there because like there's a ba- there's one bad line of dialogue in this entire movie which prevents it from being the perfect movie. Mm-hmm. That being said, it is a movie that all screenwriters should be taught in screenwriting class. Ooh. It is meticulously plotted. Every single loose thread eventually comes back in this movie and affects the plot. Just forget what the movie's even about thematically. It's perfectly plotted. And then on top of that, this movie has something to say, not even about politics, but it does. It's three layers. It is plotting for the thriller. Yeah. It is observation about politics and the society that we live in. And then the third layer and the most important one in all of art is what it means to be alive. This is a perfect movie. I can't yeah. imagine movies getting better than this. I love what you said about um, threads coming yeah. back to haunt. Early on, when he he's 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 fallen in love with a woman, but he is not very enthralled yeah. with with the guy. Yeah. In fact, he's jealous of him. That's right. He kind of rats out the girl. You know, right. he he says the spy think, rats out the girlfriend. Right. Because he's he jealous of this. the playwright. Right. We he have to does. do this because we're not saying the names. <laughs> right. We got to use these codes. <laughs> he does this. In a very surreptitious way. He, yeah. he's, he's outside the building. He sees the car driving up with the girl and that, that lecherous bureaucrat. Mm-hmm. So he decides to do something. I think it's ring a doorbell. Gets, gets um, the playwright's attention. This is how he discovers what she's doing. And then they have a confrontation. They have a confrontation. Um, he realizes that she's sleeping with somebody and what that means. But she comes right back at him. Yeah. And says, uh, you know, you're accommodating them as well. You're kind of sleeping with them. You know, these moral, you know, muddy, the moral muddiness of this movie just makes it a lot more compelling. Nobody can get on their high horse. This movie is like The Sopranos, The Godfather, Gone with the Wind. In terms of quality, I'll put it this way. We've not talked in our entire podcast that we've done so far of all the episodes prior about any movie that I consider to be better than this movie. I'm not saying this movie is better than all the others. But I don't think any of the movies we've ever discussed are clearly better than this movie. Yeah, I mean, what would what do you think about that? Um, I, I'd have to review all the movies we've we've, we've done seen, a lot, especially but, when we uh, used to do episodes on entire career arcs of directors, <laughs> yes. which were like eight hours long. I can't think of a movie that that would be significant would be significantly better than this. No, all right. This is one of the this was one of the best movies that you and you, and you give yourself over to this movie. Yeah, it's incredible. Okay, so Steve, time for five questions. Okay, all right. First question. Do you think the playwright's plays were actually good? Well, that's, that's an interesting question. If I'm not mistaken, you remember that, that dreary beginning where they look terrible. <laughs> Do you know at the very end, the very end, the yeah, play that they, yeah. that they, it's the same play. If I'm not mistaken, it's the exact same play, only you have a huge, great production value, and presumably it might mean more, mean yeah. a lot more in post. Uh, you know, uh, uh, post-communist East Germany. Look, if it's not good uh, stripped down, then it's not good with bells and whistles. I'm just saying maybe in a certain context. I think his plays look bad. I think they look boring. <laughs> well, remember, he has a director who is a suck-up. His yeah. director is a suck-up, and, and he, he, yeah. he um, compromises himself. His, his buddy director, he's the one who has talent but can't get work. Look, I think the playwright might be a little overrated. That's all I'm going to say. I think he might not be as uh, high as he thinks he is. Well, if the East German government thinks he's he's you know he's fine to to produce, then yeah, he, uh, how great could he be? Okay, next next question. 
Did we ever see the playwright button his top button on his shirt? <laughs> There's a lot of bare chest in this movie. Where does he think he is, Rio? This playwright never buttons his collar. Not once. Why do you suppose that is? Because he's a player. He's an artist. He's, he's more free. I would... Oh. He, I guess it is it's, it's to say he's, he's, he's a little bit more right. free. I you guess. know I think the movie's a perfect movie. Uh-huh. Is that a good visual metaphor or a bad <laughs> one? That's part B of this question. It, it wasn't... It wasn't uh, I don't think it was flagrant. It wasn't flagrant. So, yeah. no, I, I, I think it was a wise costume choice. Okay, I'll, I'll give it to you. I'll, I just, you know, it pissed me off. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't love the playwright. He's a great character, uh-huh. but I'm not sure he was likable. All right. He's not as emotionally devastating as the other two. That's right. That, that, that's right so let's talk about, before, before I move to the next question, we just have to note, the spy and the girlfriend, they carry the movie. Yes. They are the emotional heart of the movie. Absolutely. In case we have not really... Um, honed in on this these two performances are otherworldly the playwright's more like the conscience almost the yeah. conscience narrator of the movie yeah he's a bit he's yeah. a bit pretentious and a bit uh insufferable but you are rooting for him yeah to be yeah. fair i never rooted for the soviet official the, sorry the east communist party official mm. i never actually rooted for him he was too bad okay <laughs> he's as bad as they get all right here we go spoiler alert Spoiler alert. I'm, this is the last question. I'm going to count down from five, and then I will let everybody know when... Flee uh, while you can if you right. want to see this movie. Right. Five, four, three, two, one. Here comes the spoiler alert. Should the spy have been upset that he never received any royalties for the book <laughs> that the playwright wrote about him? <laughs> one of the most touching aspects of this movie is... The, the, the guy, since we're in the spoiler alert territory... Yeah. The spy, his boss concludes without proof that he helped the playwright. That's right. And he is put in that horrible, dingy basement That's job right. where all he does is open letters with steamers. Yeah. His career's ruined. And that, that young boy at the, be- yeah. at the beginning... The who one who made, made the joke. Made yeah. the joke is right behind him, you yeah. know? And they're yeah. there when the Berlin Wall comes and there's down. A, oh, my God. We got to talk about that scene for a second, too. So they're listening to the radio. Or, or someone comes in. Somehow they find out when they're in this basement room opening letters. Opening other people's mail, yes. by the way, to read it. By <laughs> Doing way. the good East German yeah, work. Gotta, I think they're using, like, steamers to open them. Those were genuine steamers. They, they, the production uh, artist was so uh, committed, according yeah. to IMDb trivia, they, they actually got the, the yeah. steamers from back then. And if you're wondering why they would use steamers, it's so they could re-seal uh, the mail without anyone ever knowing it had been <laughs> opened. Um, anyway, someone says, like, you know, it's over, the Berlin Wall has fallen, something like that, and the main character, the spy, he just gets up and leaves immediately. No hesitation. He knows it's over. He knows that there's no consequences now if he walks out of this room, <laughs> and all the younger people who's, you know, who are, are looking at him, They like, just stare at him, They yeah. just stare, and they can't <laughs> believe, but he knows. He knows immediately. So, okay, full circle, more spoiler alert, the playwright finds out about the spy that the spy had been living underneath him the entire time and had actually been helping him and the playwright writes a book about it he writes a book where the spy is either the main character or one of the main characters and about the whole experience of he was being spied on but also helped by the person spying on him who is also in love with his girlfriend and at the end of the movie, in the now uh, communist-free East Berlin, the spy goes to a bookstore, he finds the book, and he reads it. And even in the dedication, it's dedicated to him. 
I can't remember exactly what the dedication said. I think said. the title of the book was Ode to a Good Man or something like that. Yeah. Okay, so the point is, should he be upset <laughs> that he received zero royalties? He wasn't living any better by that point. His apartment still sucked. Okay, they could have added a scene where he contacted his, his uh, West German lawyers yeah, and right. sued. Yeah, yeah. It would kind of take some of the edge off of it. <laughs> no, obviously, we're meant to feel that he, you know somebody saw what he did and appreciates it. He is still anonymous, but somebody knows, and and that was was really important to him. Oh, by the way, yeah. By the way, the uh, very uh, last uh, line. Okay, keep going. All right, very keep, last line yeah. of the movie. He says, um, he buy he he takes the book up to the uh, cashier, and yeah. you say he asked, "Do you want it wrapped?" He said he looked down on the book and said, "No, it's it's for me." Yeah, right. I love that. Okay, and that and that steps on uh, best line of the movie. Is that the best line of the movie? I'll tell it's you what. Certainly the most poetic. I didn't, yes, it is it's incredibly poetic. My best line, okay? There's a scene where the spy meets the um uh meets the act- meets the actress. By the way, are we out of the spoiler alerts yet? No, I don't think we are. <laughs> Still spoiler alerts. Oh alert. yeah, one more. Sorry guys. Um I'll try and I'll try and put the spoiler alerts in like I'll try and put the time code on this for anyone who listens to podcast to let you know exactly when the spoiler alert started and when it ended. That would be very considerate of you. Yeah. Looking out for you, listeners, looking out for you. All six of you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Look, um there's a scene where uh, we we mentioned that his girlfriend, the player's girlfriend, is also an actress who stars in a very That's famous right. actress, a very famous actress in East. As Germany. famous as you can be as a play actress, yeah. a stage actress <laughs> in East Berlin, East Communist Berlin, right? Not exactly Helen Hayes, but you yeah. get the idea. Yeah. Um, who the hell is Helen Hayes? Oh, don't say. Oh, Are you please serious? don't say that. Don't <laughs> oh, say that. God, you're old. Anyways, All keep right. going. Anyway, um, he decide, He follow. I think he follows her. Into a uh, little diner. Yeah. And she is at her lo- one of her low points. And he, and he right. comes up to her in this beautifully written scene. That's right. Okay? And she, and at first she wants to, you know, you know, please, you know, blow. All right? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm feeling bad. I don't want you to... He says that, I've seen you on stage. I think you're more of you. You're closer to you on stage than you are right now. Yeah. She, a- she, sa- she asks him, so you know what I'm like. And he says... I am your audience. That's right. Damn, that's a good line. So this this movie is full. The thing about movies that I love is sometimes I'm shaken to the core when I see something perfectly executed that says something about life. When real art, the real art of movies is writing a scene that is so incredibly powerful in which nothing explicitly happens, but you know what you've just seen. Something just so full of insight and power and emotion and it just shake it just it, it sticks with you and this movie is full of nothing but those scenes it is one of those scenes after another and you're usually lucky to get one of these scenes in a good movie let alone having almost all of them be this way um i cannot you know stress that more that, that this movie is just full of masterfully written and executed scenes absolutely uh, absolutely that that movie just would it, it made when I heard the line the first time I didn't even notice it. I I, I watched it a second time, and it, it just floored me. You know, as you said, yeah, these people are teaching him. He saw he saw her, yeah, act in a play, yeah. and loved her. He's seeing her behave like a real human being, and he's he also sort their, of, his, his, he, he is her, her audience in every way. And she also knows she gets the feeling something is up with this guy in mm-hmm. the sense that he knows her better than he ought to. There's, there's such an energy between them. It's fascinating. Last question. 
Why wasn't the playwright, why weren't the playwright and his girlfriend married? They were like middle-aged. <laughs> they were old. It's strange when middle-aged people are boyfriend and girlfriend. You know what? Maybe they added 10 years for each actor to make them a little more frail. Oh, this is going to sound... They're preju- probably about 40, you say? About 40? They're in their 40s. This yeah. is going to sound prejudicial, uh-huh. uh, and it's meant to be. I'm 35, I'm married, I have a child. If you're like 45 and you have a girlfriend... <laughs> Don't call her your girlfriend. It just sounds weird. You're not in high school. Call her your partner, your... Call her your, your lover, right? Your lover. Like, like Will Ferrell yeah, and uh, right. uh, I forget what the Don't other actors call her your girlfriend. It just sounds strange coming from the middle-aged. Now, it's cute when old people do it. Like when an 85-year-old man calls his 80-year-old girlfriend his girlfriend, then it's sweet. It's sweet and it's chaste. Maybe yeah. there's a different word for it in, in, in German because they have all kinds of words that we don't have a definition like for. partner. It's, it, it's really solid. Yeah. It's like, look, we're not married, but we're partners in this thing called life. It says two things. One, they're together, and two, they're on the same boat. They're, they mean business. <laughs> they mean they're business. They're adults. They're That's not right. kids in high school. That's a good point. It's not his friend who's a girl. It's his partner <laughs> in this thing we call life. All right. Time for bad pitches. Okay. All right. This is the only pitch I could think to make. If I'm in a big Hollywood move, meeting and I've got this script and I love it, I'm just going to have to say, look, this is a movie uh, that meets another movie that never makes money. <laughs> this, is, this is a movie that never makes money. Ah, good pitch. <laughs> it meets another movie that never makes money. There's no way you pitch this movie. There are not two movies in the world that resemble this movie that you could convince any studio executive to fund. This is a movie where, um, you know... Uh, you have to pitch it to accountants yeah, as a right. tax write-off. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> like, maybe the only way is to to tell the accountants, like, hey, he's kind of an accountant, our main character. He kind of <laughs> looks like you. He's bald and, you know, unassuming. <laughs> okay, I've got, I've got a pitch. I've okay. got a pitch. Brazil without laughs. The Ooh. movie Brazil without laughs. Now, when Brazil came yeah, that's out... That's great, Steve. That's good. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of cheating because when that movie came out, I remember people calling it 1984 with laughs. Okay, no. You so, know I accept so it. I'm, I'm, I'm no, inverting. You know I think that's the best pitch that we've ever had. I give you... Uh, I, give, I tip my hat to you, sir. Thank you. I tip my hat. All right, anything else to say on this movie before we move on? Yes, watch it. Okay, good. Yeah, same here. Watch this movie. Okay, the next movie was your choice, Steve. It's the stuntman. Step right up, folks. Ride the ride of the century on Eli's killer crane. The stuntman. A man on the run. The woman who had to know why. Who the hell are you? And the director who offered him a hiding place. You shall be a stuntman. Who is an actor. Who is a character in a movie. Who is an enemy soldier. Who look for you amongst all those. The stuntman. In a world where nothing is what it seems, the hardest stunt is to hold on to reality. 
Um, what year was this movie made? Why don't you give us the facts before I do the summary? Well, that's kind of hard to say because the best I can tell, it was shot either between 1977 and 1978, but wasn't released until 1980. They couldn't find anybody Ooh, until... Shrouded in mystery. Yeah. Well, I, I guess everybody thought it was a dog. Isn't that interesting how... The movies that have been completed for a long time but don't get released, they always have mystery around them. It's kind of like Gangs of New York. Gangs of New York had been completed for years before it got released. It was well, the strangest thing. About a year. They had to delay it because of ni- uh, its release was really close to um, 9-11. 9/11. Was that it? Yeah, plus, you know, uh, you Look, know Scorsese if, will never turn down a, an extra year of editing time. With, sure. With, I think if anything, his, the people of New Thelma. York would have enjoyed, though, uh, after 9-11, it would to have seen gangs brutally massacre each other. It <laughs> would have been tough to see. I, no, I think they would have liked it, actually. You think so? I think it would have been cathartic. <laughs> Otherwise, what do you do in New York? <laughs> uh, well, maybe not. I think Looking back now, it. but maybe not. Yeah. Um, I think it was shot overseas, too. It was shot, I think, in, in no, Europe. No way, really? Uh, well, because they couldn't find any architecture Those that... Bastards. I, I don't know that for a fact. Uh, I might be... No bar bets on that one, but uh, it could right, be. Any other stats here? Um, yes. Um, so I, it was eventually picked up by 20th Century Fox and released in uh, the summer of 1980, and I, where I saw it for the very first time, and, and I immediately What theater? It. Do you remember? Oh, gosh, no. no I, you I know what's interesting? I remember almost every theater of every movie I ever saw. Like, every movie I ever saw, I remember the theater I saw. What are you, a weirdo? Is that weird? <laughs> it is exceptionally weird. Really? No. <laughs> um, well, unless unless you are picky about your theaters. I Me, am, not a picky You're not man. picky. I'm surprised. No, no. I'm a little picky. I'm not crazy mm-hmm. picky. But, well, if, if I want to see Star Wars, maybe go to Uptown or, or okay, something but, like that. But, but I'm born in 1985. Mm-hmm. I'm an old millennial or, or a little bit older than millennials. It's, mm-hmm. I don't like to be associated with millennials. Because I don't feel that it describes my life growing up. Because I didn't have all high- you millennials. Please don't take effect. Uh, right, I didn't have high speed internet, which I feel like is the core tenant of growing up as a millennial. Fair enough. Um, but here's my point: the vast majority of movies I've seen in my life have been on home video, and wow. I have. Oh, of course. I mean, were have the majority of movies you've seen been in theaters? Um, that were made in my lifetime. Absolutely. So for me now, but I've me, seen a lot of video. old movies. Of course, they were just period movies. Period. The amount of movies you've seen about fifty fifty now. So for me, first of all, the majority of movies I've seen at your about, age, definitely, oh, about seventy percent in the theater. Well, I think there's a reason for that. Because I'm an you old didn't have the of... option. Oh yeah, <laughs> you didn't have the option. That was your only option. Go to the movie theaters. For me, I'm watching Butchered on TV. I am the VHS generation. <laughs> uh-huh. So the point is, I haven't seen that many movies. Th- I mean, I've seen more movies in theaters than most people. I think my age, right. but I remember every single theater that I saw a movie in. If you tell me the movie wow. and I saw it in theaters, I know exactly which theater it was. Now, if I saw it on tape, uh-huh. it'd be different. I may not remember exactly. Although, you know what, Steve? I'm going to be honest. Uh-huh. I think I remember every room I ever saw a movie in the first time I saw it. That's a weird thing, but it's true. I can't, I can't uh, determine whether that's a virtue or I think a it's psychological just, issue. I think it's, it's kind of like an autism, like a Rain Man <laughs> yeah, thing, maybe. I think so. But it's true. I remember every room I ever saw a movie in. I know wow. exactly. If you just name a movie, I'll tell you what room I saw. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Well, that's a good question. My basement at home. So many, first of all, mm-hmm. it's a bit of a cheat. I've saw so many of these movies in my parents' basement. The Lives of Others. My upstairs bedroom in college. Uh, I saw it in college. When I was at home for the summer in my childhood bedroom upstairs, that my parents had turned into a study. <laughs> yeah, that's detail. Folks. And I remember who was in that's the detail. I remember who was in the room when I saw it. A couple friends. Wow. Did, did they uh, watch the whole movie with you? 
Yeah, so my friends have never been in movies like I've been in, uh-huh. and it was such a... This is a German movie with subtitles about history, and they were floored. I know. You couldn't chase people away more effectively with a shotgun yeah, exactly. than, than saying it's going to be yeah. a German movie, it, it, although it's it ha, it's color. It's essentially yeah. black and white. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> it's only green, green and gray. Okay, any other stats <laughs> about this movie? Oh, sorry. Um, it The budget was $3.5 million. This movie looks pretty sharp. Uh, Think about that. Three and a half million in the 70s. At least and, and and Lives of Others, you know, two, two million, million in the 2000s in what we like to affectionately refer to as the noughties. Yes. From Almost, 2000. From 2000 to 2010, later. it was the era of Paris Hilton and Lindsay Lohan, so we call it the noughties. <laughs> I the love noughties. that. I love that's the only way to describe <laughs> that decade is those two. The movie didn't make a lot of money. Okay. It made seven million. Okay. Uh, which, Not surprised. Uh, Barely enough to break even, uh, given you have to usually gross Surprising. You should times. say who's in it. You should say who's in it. The main star. Fanta- Peter O'Toole. Peter O'Toole. Surprising. I, I mean, look, I never, I'm too young to know what the drawing power of Peter O'Toole actually was. I just know he's a legend, and I love him. I think he's one of the greatest actors of all time. Um, but I don't actually know what his drawing power was. It's kind of like George Clooney now. George Clooney, not a big draw. Although his new movie is a hit on Netflix, but you'll never really know what Netflix's true numbers are. At this point, his career wasn't on fire. He was still sought after, but the the 70s weren't kind to Peter O'Toole. You know, his big, his, he was well, big not in the, 60s, the movie and industry, then in the Maybe 80s. not in the movie industry. Maybe at the clubs they were. <laughs> Very kind. Maybe one has something to do with the other. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, that is possible. Oh, by the way, it's at two hours and 11 minutes. Uh, I forgot to mention yes, that the lives of others is two hours and 17 minutes. Flies by in the lives of others. Yes, it in does. In the stuntman, it does not. Oh, I couldn't, I couldn't uh, disagree with Yeah, we're going to get into that later. It was written and directed by Richard Rush. Good and, name. And uh, this was a one-hit wonder. It was the only real hit of his career. He had a sort of successful movie that nobody's ever heard of, Freebie and the Bean, That's which is a terrible very, name for a movie. It's a very funny movie. It's an urban action comedy, um, but it's it's offensive because Bean refers to a uh, uh, the Alan Arkin character, the Alan Arkin character who is a Latino, uh, and it was very offensive. And you probably can't find even it if that anywhere. weren't the case. What a terrible name for a movie! It sounds like Jack and the Beanstalk, <laughs> Freebie and the Bean. It, it didn't. I, I don't think. By the way, did Jack well. and the Beanstalk couldn't even be a hit. Literally, the movie <laughs> everyone knows. Even that couldn't be a hit. So why are you going to make your With movie sound effects. like it? Uh, it was nominated for three Academy Awards. There are three big ones. Uh, best Director, Best Screenplay, both Richard Rush, and Best Actor for Peter O'Toole, richly deserved. Any other stats here? That's it. Okay, I'm going to describe this movie. And once again, I'm going to I'm going to admit something. I am. I can remember people's faces. I can obviously remember rooms I've seen movies in. I remember the smallest details about the craziest things. I can never remember anyone's name. It is a strange curse in my life. I once forgot my aunt's name to her face, my <laughs> my father's sister, um, who I knew all my life. <laughs> um, You're I, too young for senior moments. It's just weird. It's just I know who people are. If I saw someone ten years ago, I might recognize them now and remember what they said to me, but I wouldn't know their name. So once again, I don't know the names of anyone in this movie. It's just, it's just. Something... Are you talking about the actors? No, or the, the, the characters? characters. Oh, the characters. Okay. I just don't remember people's names. It's funny because the the lead character's name is very important. Actually, both characters are extremely important. So, so here's here's the summary of the movie, real quick, and I can do this one super easy. Cool. Guy is running away from the police because he committed a crime. 
he accidentally runs into a movie set. Happens all the time. Yeah, right, where he is able to hide from the police in the movie set. He does this because the actress in the movie set is pretending to be drowning in the ocean because it takes place on the coast of California, I guess. And he sort of dives in, I guess, to either hide from the cops or save her. And as a result, he gets to meet the director of this movie whose uh, take, big expensive take, he's just ruined. And the director of the movie, played by Peter O'Toole, sort of gets right away that this guy's on the run from the police. And he blackmails this guy. He says, you're now going to be a stuntman in my movie. And if you're not, I'm going to turn you into the police. And that's the premise of the movie. Did I did I do it right? Did you, I miss anything? No, you did. But um, key to this, though, okay, is the reason he needs this kid to um, oh, right, yeah. The reason he needs this kid to pose as a stuntman, a very specific stuntman, a stuntman by the name of Bert. Bert wrote uh, in for a very important scene in this movie. Drives a Dusseldorf <laughs> off of uh, off of a bridge, and that isn't that one of those words that just like yeah, it's kumquat. Fantastic. Uh, it's funny. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and a classic old German car off a bridge as the climax to his movie. Um, the the kid who gets nicknamed Lucky, yeah, by the by yeah. by the cast and crew, he he gets nicknamed Soldier Boy by the director. Yeah, um, Lucky uh, actually helps cause the death because he thinks he's being run down yeah. by the dude. He has no idea what this, you know, th- yeah. this old this is classic all car. While he's running from the cops. All but the, the first 10 minutes of this movie yeah. is, is a, a toboggan ride. Yeah, that's right. It really, it's a downhill toboggan ride. Yeah. Um, Steve Railsback plays the young fugitive. Okay. Um, so um, the point is the original I'm stuntman, sorry, the, yeah, I'm sorry. The original the, stuntman for this movie died in an accident that the criminal caused. accidentally caused yes. while running away from the police. <laughs> so the director, played by Peter O'Toole, who knows exactly what is going on, is now blackmailing the criminal to play the stuntman uh, for the movie. And I can't remember... Do do the people on set know that the actual the original stuntman died in this accident, or are they hiding it? Well... Some of them do. For yeah. example, the actress that he falls in love with, played by Bar- Barbara Hershey. She is gorgeous. She knows. Oh my God. She knows. Um, most of the people know. They're yeah. keeping it from a local sheriff who's played by Alex Rocco from okay. The Godfather. Right. Um, Wait, who the, was he in The Godfather? He he played Mo, uh, the, the the casino owner who gets... Oh, Mo Green. Mo Green. He plays Mo Green. Interesting. Who's He's, really Bugsy Siegel. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. he starts yeah. the Vegas uh, hotel. Yeah. Um, he... He's totally hostile to yeah. all to 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 Eli. Yeah. Eli Eli Cross being the director, Peter O'Toole. Yeah, his name is Eli Cross. He's very he's very hostile to the um to the director, the the sheriff, because he's he's filming everywhere without permits, making loud noise, scaring everybody. So he's kind of hostile. Yeah, he's, you know the, the cops have a kind of a love hate relationship with them. Eli Roth. Is that not Eli Roth? Eli uh, Cross. That'd be a very different. Yeah, it's a very different director. It's funny you say Eli Roth (laughs) because this is a movie about a director flexing his power over people, (laughs) and I can only imagine that's what it's like on an Eli Roth set, where you're sitting there as some guy has a chainsaw and he's about to cut your genitals off. (laughs) You got to hope hope they don't miss. You know, um, um, uh, Eli. Yeah, takes this kid under his wing. Yeah. Uh, in in a very unusual way, he he's very florid, uh, flourishing um kind of guy. We have well, we have to talk about that. Yeah, this is the second time we've had to do this on this podcast, and I hate it. What's that? And it's what happens when 
an actor plays a character as gay in a time where they don't reveal whether or not the character is gay. But he's he's not playing him as gay. I okay? thought the whole time he was playing him as gay. As, oh, I, I totally did. Okay, I, good. I disagree. I'm glad you disagree. Um, I, I he, he plays him with all this huge flourish. Yeah. He he's very uh, tyrannic. Well, he's not really tyrannical, but he's very manipulative. Absolutely. You know. He 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 uh, promises. He's addicted. Lucky. He's addicted to lording his power over yes. this kid. And that's where the name comes in. Eli is of course the Hebrew word for my God. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> Cross, of course. You yeah, know, right, right. Uh, evokes uh, the, the the general the, um, the, the kid named yeah. um, uh, they nickname him Lucky. Yeah. His name is Cameron, okay. and I'm not going to tell you why this is important until we get to the spoiler section because okay. it plays a very key role at the very end of the movie. So a big thing about this is that the movie's called the director, and part of the way I felt it's called. Or sorry, it's not called the director. You're right. It should have been called. It's called the <laughs> stuntman. Excuse me, but you know what? It should have been called the director, and I'm going to explain why. Thank you for telling me that. The reason we should be called the director is that the director is no... Yes, he's directing a movie, but he's doing something far more insane and manipulative and evil and dangerous. He's just directing this kid's life. He has power over him in a way that you feel that directors really want power over people in life. (laughs) Or forget the movie. Let me just have something I can lord over someone and make them do whatever I want. And that's what happens. He starts putting the stuntman, the, the character Cameron, in in dangerous stunts that can potentially kill him. And he's just lording it over him because it's either the clink, he's going to turn him in, or the kid's got to do these crazy stunts. I mean, it's it, this movie is about power in a lot of ways. It's about personal power that one person has over another. So it's called the stuntman, should have been called the director. He, uh, I, I kind of disagree with this. Okay. Um, the movie is about um, Cameron. Okay. Sure. Because he does, the movie I think is about trust. Interesting. The movie is about trust. That says right. a lot about us, about you and me. <laughs> I think it's someone lording their power over someone unjustly, and you think it's about someone trusting the authority <laughs> to do the right thing for them. Eli Cross is he is he's the absolute he's the last word on the set. Yeah, he has these debates. the The closest person yeah. who comes to him in status is his screenwriter, played by Alan Garfield, who is the his normal terrific, yeah. acerbic self. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's this part there's this, there's part of the movie where they're watching the dailies. That's where they review the the, the, the footage shot, and and Barbara Hershey is really mad at at uh, Lucky. Because Lucky got pissed off at the director. And by the way, they're lovers too. Barbara Hershey and Cameron. And become, they become they lovers. They become lovers. And is she a lover of Eli as well? She had been. That's right. And that is a huge sticking point. But but, but um, I still think O'Toole's playing him, play him as gay. I still think he's playing him as gay. Well, they, you could be right because they, they say that they sleep once. Alan yeah. Garfield explaining yeah. that no, you shouldn't turn your back on Hershey. When, when he finds out that, he had, that she had slept with... Uh, Eli, she, he doesn't want to have anything to do with her. In fact, he he says, "What do you, you want? Is she supposed to be a virgin?" Yeah. He says, "Yeah," <laughs> and you know, with, with this incredibly impractical answer. Yeah, right. Here's why I disagree with you. Eli isn't the monster. He's he says at one point, Alan Garf Alan Garfield asks him, um, "Why? What do you want with this kid? Why? why yeah. Just send, send him on his way." And he says, "He helps me understand." Um, the movie and Alan Garfield said that's bullshit and he says true <laughs> the director's response true almost immediately but it's not true 
he does help him understand this movie because this movie, to quote Pauline Kael, is about paranoia. The first time we hear Eli, the first time we hear Eli, he's up in that chopper, okay? Yeah. And I'm stealing from, from Pauline Kael. I hate to say this. There's nothing wrong with that. Steal um, from the best. He, he's up in the, uh, in the helicopter, right? Yeah. He's about to film a scene. And this hawk comes off of a power line and flies right into the helicopter, right? Yeah. And what is the... After the pilot writes everything, it almost, you know, it, it flusters him. He almost destro destroys the, uh, the, the helicopter. Once he writes the uh, helicopter, he says, that damn bird was trying to kill us. And Eli, Roth, uh, Eli Cross says, that's from your point of view. Should we stop and ask the bird what his was? <laughs> I don't understand. This movie's about paranoia. He thinks that um, Eli is trying to kill him to right. make it all clean. But yeah. he's not. During, during the, the banquet scene, the whole cast eats together, right? Yeah. At a local restaurant. Yeah. And during this time... Garfield's talking with Eli, and he's saying, you know, um, they're not going to touch my movie. Oh, really? How come? Uh, because I'll kill them. <laughs> and he says, well, everybody says that. Well, I'll kill them, and then I'll eat them. <laughs> now, that might make you think that he's bad, but he also starts talking to Soldier Boy. He talks to, he's start, uh, starting to talk to Soldier Boy, and he asks him, what did you do Is this lucky? in Vietnam? This is yeah, lucky, yeah, lucky Soldier Boy and yeah, Cameron, yeah. they're all the same yeah. people. And, and, he, and he says, um, you know, he, he kind of needles him about his time in Vietnam, but he says that war is not, war isn't mankind's worst problem, it's a symptom. And then Alan Garfield asks, well, what's the disease? And he spends the whole movie showing what the disease is, and that is paranoia, suspicion. The, the, the feeling that somebody's about to stab you in the back and therefore you become violent. That's the, and he's trying, to, he's trying to convey to this kid that no, even things are tough, even, th even when life is dangerous, not everybody's out to get you. Okay, two things, two okay. things. This is super interesting. <clears throat> One, not how I read the movie when I was watching it. When I, read, when I was watching this movie... You know what? It wasn't when I was either, <laughs> actually. I mean, it was, so you have to admit it's about trust. But it's, to, it's almost entirely about trust. To me, the trust Can he is trust misplaced. his girlfriend, uh, Barbara Hershey? He can't trust with any him of them, and he's right. They're no, all no, he's not. He's, he's crazy. Wrong. So I, was, I felt like this entire movie was that one scene from Lives of Others where the the upper German uh, spy official, the, the boss of the spy, was reaming out those two kids mm -hmm. and then saying, no, no, it's okay, but you get the distinct impression it's not okay. That in This entire movie feels like a complete invasion of, of Lucky's life by this director, just lording everything over him. And what's really funny about your take on this movie versus mine is I am the liberal of this podcast and you are the conservative. <laughs> and yet I am the one saying that this authority figure is not to be trusted. This is a commercial venture, so it's okay. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> God bless commerce. Yeah. Look, um, Eli is, is not a perfect guy. No. All right? He treat, he, you're right. He treats these, uh, these kids as his kids. They're, I, I think I mentioned... Um, well, I hope you... They were that... watching the movie in the, during the rushes. Did I mention this? They were, they're, 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 they're reviewing the rushes. Yeah. Um, Barbara Hershey um, is whispering to uh, Cameron, Yeah. Don't talk to Eli like that. And, and then Eli, who's watching the, the clips a few rows back, say, he t tells her, Would you please be quiet? 
And then when she continues and to berate her boyfriend, he dismisses her like uh, like a teacher dismisses a disruptive student. She says, "You can go now, Nina," or whatever her name yeah, was. Right. And she's humiliated while yeah. she was defending him. He he's not a prince, but he's not Satan. He's not evil. I feel like he was evil. I oh, thought he was, I, I thought no, he was no, a no. sadist. Um, no, no. Let me ask you a question. He is, but he's trying to teach this kid that not everyone is out to get you. By making it seem like he's constantly out to get him? No, no, by making it rough. Hey, you got to go through this world. Things are rough. And that's why people, that's why countries turn on other countries. When things get rough, oh, the next step is, is but death. But the roughness but is supposed to be... The point is, it's, it's not death, okay? The roughness is supposed to be incidental and not designed. This guy is designing this, the roughness. He's a director. He's a master uh, of manipulator. What do you expect? It's just, why do any of this? Let me ask you a question. Why do you like this movie? It's so clever. It's fantastic. It, 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 the movie is, is filled with a lot of sharp, smart lines. You know, it's interesting. This movie just didn't do it for me. Wow. Uh, I, I think it is, it, it's so clever. E- every scene, you know, e- even with the... There's a scene where early on where he points to where the whole crew is staying, where, where they're shooting some yeah. of the scenes, and, and he, he has this big, elaborate, silly... Uh, this is Alice through the looking glass, yeah. and he tempts him in, but it works, and he and he goes through that. that I, I had a little bit of problem with, but he is a ter- he is a terrific creation. You know Eli what I Cross. felt like watching this movie the entire because time? he's not one dimensional. The entire time watching the movie, I just kind of felt like, what the hell is going on here? What <laughs> the fuck am I watching here? No, seriously, like I just didn't understand why this movie was being made and how. Anyone got tricked into making this movie. Oh my gosh. I mean, Watch it again. Maybe Watch you'll it get again. to bad pitches, but what is actually the pitch of this movie? <laughs> well, I have a I have a, I think I have a pretty good uh pitch. Are, are we ready? Yeah, I, just give me the pitch now. Screw it. I, okay. Um the pitch is uh the pu- the fugitive meets singing in the rain. <laughs> now <laughs> Wow, you're on a roll today. I am on a roll. You're good the, today. Yeah, you know, the singing in the rain was just making fun of how movies are made. Okay. okay, no question. But there's there's this huge fugitive element. But I should have entered the lives of others because it is about yeah. paranoia. Actually, there's no paranoia in the lives of others. Everybody who thinks they're in trouble, they're in trouble. Yeah, that's right. They're they're not actually paranoid. They're they're just accurate. They're just yes. they're they're observing reality. <laughs> Their assessments are correct. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. This movie, I suggest. I, I would say watch it again yeah. with an eye towards. Um, uh, the pressure on Cameron, you know, and, yeah. and how he reacts. Yeah, because he's kind of he's kind of crazy. That and that gets to one of my questions that I that I okay. have. If you want, if you want, yeah, to, please let's let do us it. move on to the questions. I, I, but to wrap up my, my thoughts about yeah. this, really well acted. I like Barbara Hershey, although any any decent actress could she have done had what a she strange did. life. I did some research on her. Really? Uh, she ended up marrying um, David Carradine, the one from Nashville. Okay. And they had a very odd... She basically, she became an enormous hippie. Oh, N- Nashville, that's Keith Carradine. Keith Carradine, excuse yeah. me. She became an enormous hippie. And not <laughs> and not the charming kind of hippie. Really? Basically, she, it seems like she did a lot of damage to her career. She took on a new name, some like you know something like something like Moonchild, some some really? nonsense <laughs> like that. Yeah, she got she got deep. She damaged her career a little bit. I believe, and oh, I don't want to slander this poor woman, but I think she was like breastfeeding her kid until he was eight. <laughs> There's some weird stuff going on with her. The breastfeeding it's, stuff, by the way, may be totally false. I may have just <laughs> made that up in my head. I'm sorry. Um, it, uh, 
Miss Hershey, have your lawyer, attorneys contact yeah, Sam yeah. Levine, not Steve Cagle. Yeah, the, the I think s- you're just fine. The six people who watch this movie. Every or, couple of, every five or yeah. ten years, she she would have a movie that would come on and, and boost her career. She was in Hoosiers, had a she's good talented, common sense. She's gorgeous. Yes. Talented and gorgeous. Yeah. That's a winning combination. And I, and I think she's, she's uh, absolutely terrific in this. My first question is, well, actually, we covered this. Eli says, war is a symptom. Um... What do you think this movie's uh, take is on the disease? Well, it's that, all, remember he's making an anti-war movie. Right. That's the movie within a movie. Okay, That's I right. love it. He says something like, "I want to grab him, Sam." I yeah. think is the, the screenwriter. I want to grab yeah. him while they're jerking off on all the sex and violence. Right, 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 <laughs> right, right. He wants to get something, and I think he's he he uses Cameron to help him get. See, there. my problem is my take on the movie is totally different than yours, <laughs> where the disease is control. The disease okay. is the idea that the powerful can control the weak. It's the whole idea. I mean, that's what this guy, the director Eli, is doing from the very beginning. He has this guy in a compromising position and can do anything he wants with him. And that is the problem when nations go to war. It's often what the powerful controlling the weak. <laughs> well, I, I think that's too direct. <laughs> I think that would be too, God uh, too direct. Yeah, this movie, let me tell the, the <laughs> listener something. If you see this movie, it ain't... It's. Steve's making it out like it's the deepest, you know. It's kind of a lighthearted comedy. It is. Actually, he he, he said he in, in uh, IMDb, he said that uh, he had a hard time selling it because it's part drama, part comedy, and they didn't do those things back then. This movie also felt like Peter O'Toole was playing every director he ever hated. That's another question. Oh. Guess which um, director he based uh, Eli Cross on. You know, I want to say... Say or, it, say it. I know you want to say it. I don't it. know what it is. I was going to say Peter Bogdanovich. And the, I don't even know if you ever worked with him. And the only reason I was even going to say that... Oh, is it lean? Yes. There, all right, I'll tell you why I said Bogdanovich <laughs> first. The reason I said Bogdanovich first is Bogdanovich wore those stupid scarves. <laughs> that, it was like his like, stupid director's calling card. He'd wear these scarves. And, it's just, and, and this guy is so flamboyant. and he, I think he wears a ton of scarves in the movie. But you're right, it's obviously <laughs> yeah. lean. Listen, um... This is an incredible question. In case anyone doesn't know, David Lean directed Peter O'Toole and Lawrence of Arabia, possibly the greatest movie ever made. Which made, made uh, Peter O'Toole a star. Yeah, made him he, a legend. Made him a yes, legend. Yes. Here is a question. You won't believe how um, uh, the coincidence of your bringing up Peter Bogdanovich. Here's the next okay. question. Um, what movie released in 1978 okay, wanted to use the title The Stuntman, but they changed it when they heard that this movie was going into production for fear that there would be confusion. Now, since it was held for two years, yeah. they didn't Jesus, compete. I mean, it has to be a, a Bogdanovich movie. I just don't know which one. It's not a Bogdanovich it's movie. Not. No. it's It has a co-star, uh, uh, somebody who starred in a couple of Ryan Bogdanovich's O'Neal? flops. Well, not Ryan, his flops. Ryan O'Neill wasn't in his flops. No. Ryan O'Neill was a paper movie. I don't know. What- this movie, I don't know if you've even heard of it, but it was a hit back then. It was Hooper. I don't know what that movie is. It's a comedy. Okay. It, uh, it was directed by the same guy who directed Smokey and the Bandit with, with Burt Reynolds. Yeah. In that movie, yeah. there is a pompous-ass director yeah. designed um, to um, skewer Peter Bogdanovich. <laughs> that is a coincidence. It's amazing you brought that up. Yeah, not a, not a bad uh, actor, Peter Bogdanovich. He's, he's, he's kind of like mm. Scorsese. He's, he's been in some stuff, like The Sopranos. I, I never saw him in The Sopranos. I yeah. Yeah. So, like, one of the things is, like, I didn't come up with a pitch for this movie uh-huh. because the movie feels quite literally like our bad pitches, where it's, it's, 
Okay. Don't believe him, folks. It's a great movie. Movie about a movie. And a, it's like heist. It's like heist meets Birdman. It's, it's the idea of let's take a, a like a, like a like a, a, like a criminal thriller movie and mix it with a lighthearted comedy about what it's like to make movies. Unlike unlike um, uh, Birdman, this is not about artistic interpretation. Okay. Even I, I would say the lives of others is you know delves deeper into sure. artistic art interpretation appreciation. This movie <clears throat> is not a battle for Cameron's soul. It's a battle. Um, for Cameron's uh, uh, trust in other people. Speaking of the name Cameron, let's do the spoiler thing. You said you okay. wanted to talk about something. This so is a very important point. Five, four, three, two, one. Spoiler. Meow, meow, meow. Okay. This is how complicated Rush made the, this um, screenplay. His name is Cameron. Yeah. That's the that's the name that the cops are looking for. At the end of the movie. He has to go through with the stunt that killed Bert, That's which right. he was part of. More okay? of the evilness of this guy. Not more of the, com- the, the, the crafty complexity. All right, now get this. Yeah. There is a little light on that, that turns on, and that's to let the stuntman, uh, Cameron, yeah. Lucky, know that the camera is shooting, because it's not going to shoot the entire time. Yeah. It's only going to shoot um, the camera that's inside the uh, car once yeah. it's hit the water. What was the car called? A Dusseldorf. A Dusseldorf. A Dusseldorf. What a great name. Yes. Um, <clears throat> anyway, he is talking with his stuntman uh, supervisor, the stunt coordinator, who, by the way, is played by Chuck Bale, an actual st- uh, stunt coordinator. Yeah. He's not an actor. He's a stunt coordinator. He asks... Um, he, he wants to tell Lucky that that's how you'll know the camera's on. Only uh, Cameron is in the car and he doesn't hear. Standing right next to him is the um, the sheriff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And he, and uh, the sheriff sees that he doesn't hear, so he taps on the the window and looks at Cameron and say, "Camera on, camera on." Oh my! That's God. why Cameron. Floors it because he thinks the the um the the, the camera's on. Well, he no, he thinks that uh the uh the uh the sheriff has figured out who he is. Uh, he thinks he's figured out because he's yeah. saying Cameron, which sounds like his name. Right. He says, "Oh my God, they are on to me. I'm getting out of here." So he starts the uh the the, the climactic stunt because the sheriff doesn't know his name. Sheriff doesn't know his right. name. He's never on to him. He doesn't yeah. know he's Cameron, but he's relaying what. The stunt coordinator coordinator is trying to convey, and that is, is the camera on? The, the lights yeah. camera on. That is part of the... This he's movie, just having fun. Yeah. This movie is like a toy. It's, it's a wonderful, marvelous yeah. toy. Okay, it's a terrific I'm movie. sure it deserves a second watch. However, I will say that great movies should be great the first time and better the second time. They shouldn't demand... This movie is great the first time and <laughs> better the second time. I well, totally you know, agree with you on that my point. My brain's not as developed as yours. I'm, <laughs> no, still, no, no, I'm, no. I'm too young. I, you no, know, I got everything, all my insights from Pauline All right, Kale. you got any other questions I for me? I don't know why you're listening to me. You should be reading her. Yeah, you got any other questions <laughs> for me? Um, let me see. What did you think about Steve Railsback's performance? Steve Railsback Steve played uh, Cameron, and I had never seen him in anything significant before or after. Thought he was all right. Didn't love. I didn't love the character. I didn't empathize with him. I wasn't mm-hmm. particularly rooting for him. I've never been on the run from the police mm-hmm. for a crime. I just. I, I thought he was okay. I, I didn't think he was a star. I, I I agree. Yeah. Jeff Bridges really wanted this role. Oh my gosh! See, that would have been a totally yes. Different, yeah, of course. He would have been a million. T- 
you know, I, I don't want to slam Steve Rails back. I like his slam him. His, well, <laughs> slam his, his, his accent kind of gives him a, a kind of a you know out there yeah. uh, authenticity, kind of a roughneck authenticity. But no, he he doesn't seem no. to even know what's going this on. This movie's made for Jeff Bridges at that time. It would have been fantastic. It would have been so much better. Martin we're talking, Sheen. We're talking, Martin Sheen also wanted to uh, do that, and it would have been no. much worse with Martin Sheen. Yeah, no, too serious. But Jeff Bridges would have knocked this out of the park. He would have killed it. And we're talking like. The question is: This like Bubba Johnson, Jeff Bridges, last last American hero? Like we're talking young Jeff Bridges because I think this oh, yeah. has to be young. This Jeff is Bridges. after he did um, uh, Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. This I don't is know five years after. Have you seen Great? Uh, la- is he, I think it's either called Last American Hero. Yeah, uh, mid 70s, 70s, Yeah, where he plays NASCAR driver. I've never seen it, but yeah, I've heard. Good of movie. It. This Good is movie. after. I, That's I a hidden that. gem. Actually, I'm just gonna give that one away right now. I like. I, Anyone who listens to this podcast regularly knows I like race cars. Yes. That's another good race car movie. <laughs> but yeah, that's the age. It has to be babyface. Yeah. It can't be like Baker Boys, uh, Jeff Bridges. Yeah, the, the, it can't be the heartthrob. Star- st- it yeah. can't be the heartthrob yeah. when he was at his yeah. handsomest. It's got to be the babyface, some baby fat on him. I wish to God they could do this movie over again with Jeff Bridges. He would have been. Uh, fantastic so you gave your pitch i don't have a pitch because this movie is literally a bad movie pitch it's just <laughs> yeah anything else to say on this movie <laughs> yeah um, um i i got a stump for it because you've, you've heard a negative review i'm telling you this movie is Look, worth your time I, it's worth I, your time. I don't hate this movie i don't even particularly dislike it i felt kind of neutral on it i felt I honestly didn't enjoy it that much. However, I will say it's not a movie I would say don't see. It's not worth your time. Uh-huh. First of all, any movie that Steve really likes is worth your time, even if we disagree. I don't think we've ever passionately disagreed on any movie yet. It's too hard uh, when you have two titans of film criticism. You know, <laughs> if we do say so ourselves. Yeah. You know, we can passionately disagree on something. Uh, just because a movie's bad doesn't mean that there's nothing. There's no well, talent I, behind I mean, it. I think the major conflict yeah. we've ever had is there will be blood. Yes, you hate there will be blood. Uh, yeah, but I, I, I totally concede. There, there's brilliance behind the movie. I just gotcha. disagree with practically everything it says. Um, can you name? The only movie Richard Rush has done after this. No, never even heard of the guy. Really? No, was he a great, 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 great grandson of Dr. Benjamin Rush, the uh, the uh, Pennsylvania founding father? I will have to look that up. Um, I'm going to assume yes. Okay, okay great. Let's you assume you that. should always assume the best in people. <laughs> There's this movie called the, uh, the Color of Money. No, he didn't do no, that. No, 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 no. I'm what? sorry. The color, no, the the, the the color of night. You realize that you just no, no, I just I called know, you a titan of cinema, I and I <laughs> love I love that movie. I think it's an underrated Scorsese movie, The Color of Money. No, the well, color. Well, we should say uh, we should say The Hustle is my favorite movie of all time. So oh, I disagree oh, with you. Okay. <laughs> the Color of Night. Now, this was a movie that was ripped apart. It was it went down as one of the worst movies with Bruce Willis. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was just just awful. Okay. Richard Rush was at this USC film school giving, a, or I don't know, uh, some California film school. And he was giving this lecture. Yeah. And he asked people, and this was in the late 90s, how many of you have heard of, uh, how many of you have seen The Color of Night? And even though that movie was a flop and incredibly derided, uh, richly deserved, about 60 people raised their hand out of 200. Then he asked him, how many of you have seen The Stuntman? And two people raised their hands. <laughs> so they saw his bad Bruce Willis movie. Yes. Says a lot. Not their great Peter O'Toole movie. Ugh, that's a tragedy. Yes. All right, Steve, this was a fun one. I really enjoyed this one. It was a blast. Guys, uh, thanks again for listening to the Hidden Gems movie podcast. I hope you liked that one. We're going to be back soon 
I'm going to tell you now, the sneak peek, it's going to be the hidden gems of the year 2020. And what that really means is any movie that came out that wasn't Tenet, uh, because they're all hidden gems, because nobody saw any movies, but movies were released in 2020. So anyways, thank you once again for listening to the Hidden Gems Movie Podcast. If you like this podcast, please rate and review it on iTunes. That goes a long way to getting more listeners. We are trying to increase our listener base from six people to seven people. We can do it. We I can know do we it. can do it. We got to rally. Let me tell you something. Podcasting, not putting food on the table <laughs> for me, and it's not uh, putting the insurer in the insurer smoothies that Steve drinks. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right, Steve, you have a good one. I'll see you next time. Bye.